Welcome everyone. Welcome if you're just coming in. Uh, who, this is a, what, you're a new guy, right? Okay, there's a handout over there on the table. And just been asking everyone to find a group that looks reasonably friendly and have a, have a seat. So uh, we'll be doing some, uh, some group discussion as time goes on. In fact, we'll be starting off with that. Uh, I'm Ed McCallum. Uh, teaching elder from the Presbytery of the West, and uh, right now, uh, my wife, where, where did Nan find a seat? Uh, oh, yeah, my wife Nan is back there. Uh, we are serving with World Outreach right now in their International Theological Education Network. So we work with uh, training uh, indigenous leaders overseas. And uh, the experience of the church globally, of course, is uh, the small church is the normal church as it is in the U.S. It is the, the global expression of Christianity, people gathering in small groups in all kinds of different contexts. So the, we're involved with training those uh, leaders overseas that primarily are serving in those uh, smaller contexts. And uh, the small church has been an uh, interest of mine ever since uh, pastoring one in uh, Tucson, Arizona, where I proved that I was very, my preaching was excellent at gathering a small crowd. So, uh, but we had a, it was a great, um, uh, great experience, uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful memories. Uh, anyway, the, the small church experience is dynamic. More of the small church sends people to the mission field way out of proportion to, to their numbers. Uh, uh, just, uh, we counted up one time our small little church in Tucson, Arizona, uh, about a hundred in attendance. Uh, at one point I, I could count, you know, 10 people that had gone into some kind of full-time missionary service, many of them overseas. You know, just imagine if churches, uh, if our, uh, just imagine 10% from our, even our larger churches, just imagine the contribution to the mission force uh, around the world and uh, even domestically. So welcome here. Uh, you want to introduce, introduce yourself and then we'll talk to the sure. slide? Go ahead. Okay, so um, my name is Roy Yankee. I am a ruling elder at Grace Chapel uh, EPC in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Um, I, uh, I'm also the executive director for PIR Ministries. Uh, we work with pastors in transition and who are not in transition, uh, trying to help them stay out of transition. And uh, our, uh, our ministry has been around for 25 years. It is a EPC-grown ministry. Dr. Wickman uh, pastored at uh, Kempsville and Virginia Beach uh, in the EPC for a number of years. And so we're, we're family. And uh, I pastored for 17 years uh, in small churches. Uh, was in a redevelopment work. Uh, started with 10 people all over the age of 65. And I identify with that now. And uh, the Lord blessed it, but it was still a, it's a normal church. Well, we reached about 150 and uh, did some really good things that the Lord wanted us to do. Uh, so I've been in this ministry, uh, PIR Ministries now, for about uh, seven years. And uh, we love the smaller church. Our goal is to help smaller church pastors, especially uh, navigate ministry life in a healthy way. So it's exciting to be here. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this, and um, I'm going to let Ed start us off with that. Yeah, uh, we, used to, we used to talk about attendance as being the, the marker of a small church. Uh, you know, if, if you meet with 200 or less on a Sunday morning, you're a small church. Uh, it looks like everybody's become a small church during, during COVID, <laughs> right? But... Uh, 
a lot of our reflections today, our discussions are going to be about uh, this past year and what it means for us uh, going forward. So first, just uh, talk around your tables. If you're uh, here, we've got a group of two here. Maybe you can uh, can join a, a group of three up here. Or are there a couple of groups of three around? Uh, anyway, j join in with some other tables so you have at least, uh, well, I see some threes. If you feel you don't have enough people to um, to discuss, go ahead and join another table or pull some, pull some chairs together. But uh, talk about this picture. Uh, think about it, uh, what, what your experience of this past year has it been, has COVID and all of the effects of COVID been an interruption in your ministry or a disruption? Yeah, we try to give these pictures here to, to sh show you what we mean. But interruption, meaning okay, you're going along in a direction, something happens and you have to stop for a while. And after it's gone, you pick up and you keep going just like you were going. That's you know interruption. Or has COVID, uh, the, on all the stuff surrounding the pandemic in your congregation, has it been a disruption? You're going along a direction, something happens and you realize uh, we've got to go a little different direction now. Or I don't know, maybe it's a mixture of both. I, I don't know, you can, you can that, that's, the, that's your first topic as you're, uh, as in your groups and as you're finishing up your lunch, just chat about that. What's your experience been with COVID-19 and all of the stuff? Has it been an interruption for your ministry or a disruption? And if it's a disruption, I suppose those could be positive or negative. So there you go. There's your table talk for a while. Yeah, to, as, as large or smaller group as you want yep. to do. Join, yeah, join some others. Talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, if you don't know each other, introduce yourselves. Uh, hopefully you can make some new connections here. Just uh, you know, get to know each other as well. All right. We are going to interrupt and disrupt you. All right. So uh, get your last swallow of Coke. Put your last chip or cookie in your mouth. All right. And uh, we're going to talk about this quickly. Um, I think we're indebted. Uh, where we first saw this, um, Eric Geiger in an article a number of uh, months ago talked about this concept of interruption versus disruption as we've gone through the pandemic. And an interruption is, is like, um, and this, I'm borrowing these, is like when you're watching television and a breaking news alert comes on, okay? It's an interruption because then what do they say at the end of that? We now return you to your normal bro uh, program, right? So that's what an interruption is. A disruption is a change in trajectory. It is a complete move in a different direction. So this... You've lost internet. <laughs> right. This was a disruption. Okay? The creation of the smartphone uh, was a disruption in our culture because it changed trajectory for all of us. Anybody not been affected by this? Or good or bad, right? Okay. So that's what those are. Um, so now, um, as you've talked around your tables, let's talk, share a little bit about this. How many of you uh, feel like and have seen it more as an interruption, or you hope it's just an interruption, and how many of you are beginning to experience maybe this is God changing the trajectory, maybe it's a disruption in our smaller churches, in our normal churches. So talk to us. Interruption? How many interruption? Okay. Okay. 
How many disruptions? How many both? Okay. All right. It could be both. All right. Seems to be pretty equally divided. All right. Between those two. So what? So if a couple of you want to share, what in your mind makes it an interruption? Either in terms of what you're experiencing or what you hope for. Why would it be an interruption? Well, I'd say for my church, there's such a strong connection. And we even stayed uh, uh, connected even though we weren't meeting. Okay. All right. So that's going to carry forward. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm going to kind of mix the words with it. I think we're already in a disruption. I think, you know, the, the culture and landscape for small church was about to change. It was, it, it's, we're in the midst of just a radical shift. And so to me, we were as the two congregations, I was in the midst of beginning an intentional disruption mm. to say this is coming and we need to figure out what we're doing. Okay. And so it interrupted our disruption. <laughs> um, and I really don't know how I'm still trying to figure out what it means because it, it really pulled the carpet out from under <clears throat> what was the conversations about changing how we function. Mm -hmm. That's um, good. And so that, you know, you know how God is. It could end up being perfect. Like, it'll all come together and we'll be like, wow, I wish we had planned that. <laughs> but I don't know yet. And you know what? That's okay right. to not know just yet what this is going to look like. Sometimes we want to figure it all, anybody just want to figure it all out, you know? <laughs> know how this is going to turn out, what the end of the book looks God like. Knows. But God does know, and it's okay for us not to know, okay? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. I was just going to say, at first it was kind of an expansion, uh, because now we have uh, access to people who are homebound and not attending regularly, but they could. Uh, people who have moved away but wanted to stay connected, mm -hmm. and and uh, it was an adaptation as well because we do things differently now. The way we do, you know, Eucharist and uh, other, even our choir, you know, still maintaining certain distance, which actually turned out to be even better because the, the sound is so much improved. <laughs> but so it, it was kind of better in, in many ways. Okay, good. That's great. So online presence. How many of you are? Jumped into that, had to make that, okay, most of us For a did. short period of time. <laughs> short period of time, okay, all right. But it sounds like this is something more permanent for you well, guys. We're going to keep that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, our preference is to be in person, sure. uh, wherever possible. Right. And so most of the people are now back in person. Yeah, good. Okay, there were a couple more. Uh, our, our church is a, a bit on the older side as far as the congregation goes. And prior to the COVID, we were friendly and and welcoming and, and everything. But then when we got to COVID and we were all sequestered in our own little niches, and when we came back, we were more friendly and more wanting more people to come because we, I think a lot of us saw, <clears throat> this is the way it's going to be at the end. Let's get these other people in here before it's you know the end of their time. Because you do get sequestered as you, as you get closer to the gates of heaven. Mm -hmm. you know, things happen, you go into hospice, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so consequently, gave, I'm speaking for myself and some others that I've shared this with at church. It was kind of a, a, a little pretest in how it's going to be toward the closer end. So 
gather more in. Okay. But at, in, in reality, it was just an interruption with the little highlight. Okay. The interruption itself was a little highlight. Okay, interesting. Okay. You, well, I was just going to add, uh, Helen and I go to the same church, and, and I was thinking of the macro level versus the micro level. Mm -hmm. The micro level, and that's how the church functions every day, but I have an, uh, an ancillary problem, and that is with what's going on in the government and all that on the macro level. That, to me, is the disruption mm -hmm. that could come. Mm -hmm. And it's a scary thing to think about, but yeah. that's really not focused what we have here. Sure, there, and there's a lot of layers to this. We, we, I think it's uh, naive to think of us, uh, think of this just in terms of um, our experience on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-to-week -week basis as a church, because there's so many layers to this. I mean, we just have to acknowledge that. So, okay. Yeah, I was going to say for us, it was definitely a disruption. Um, and I was telling these guys that it was probably a really good gift for our church. Uh, obviously, we, we mourn the, the health aspect of it, but we were already in a place, um, an older congregation, uh, where we were in, a, in the hard grips of um, revisioning and and trying to decide what are we keeping, what are we not keeping, and COVID came and basically answered a lot of those questions for us. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. And, and it kind yeah. of identified really quickly amongst session who were very timid about saying, this is someone's pet project, and therefore we don't want to get rid of it because we don't hurt their feelings. To we just can't do it anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so, and so it, it actually pushed us. It, the the things that were kind of the identifiable markers of how God has gifted us and called us actually to function as a church surfaced. Yeah. And that we were able to take that and just move forward with that. Excellent. So, Good. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Couple more. That's kind of what happened in our church that our session then talked about what's important, what are we good at, what do we really need to improve on, like kind of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and obstacles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Mm -hmm. um, I came into a church to serve a, a church in a new position in, right in the midst of COVID, June last year. And what I found overall, I mean, although the church was just doing really well, a good solid core group of folks. Um, <clears throat> a lot of change was necessary, and so COVID kind of augmented the change that needed to come. That I, I may not have had as smooth a time bringing changes if not for COVID. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Ours was a, a disruption removed from one church into a transitional ministry in a, in a small church that was older, that's older, uh, but is in a transitional neighborhood. And that happens to be my joy. I'm, I'm happy about that. Okay. Not all of them are, but I'm really happy about that. Uh, but they've come to realize that, that they've been, they, they've kept their eyes closed. And they're starting to wake up and say, you know what, we really need to reach the, the community that we have. So that's, that's a huge step. That only has happened because of COVID. Yeah, that's all of this. That's good. That's really Did good. Anybody here from California where they actually said you couldn't meet? Uh, I don't know. We're going to do a quick poll here. So, uh, very quick, very quickly, we're going to go around. We'd like you to identify just quickly your name, uh, the presbytery that you're in, 
uh, and whether you serve rural, suburban, or urban in the normal church, the small church. Okay, so what kind of what kind of location you're in, Presbytery, and your name. All right, so we're going to start. Here. Are they allowed to use the word hybrid when they talk about rural, urban? Oh yeah, sure. If you're a hybrid, if you're kind of like in the middle, small town, that sort of thing, that's that's cool okay. too. Sure. Yeah. Okay, skip you. All right, folks. Uh, Doug, Nan Rhodes, we're uh, Allegheny Presbytery, southeastern Ohio, uh, 60 miles or so east, southeast of Columbus. Extremely rural uh, community. Uh, town of maybe. 70 people and no stoplights, one stop sign. Wow. We're rural. What's the traffic jam? When the Amish buggies crisscross and you have to wait until you pop over the next hill and see and get around. That's great. That's a traffic jam. Absolutely good. George and Nita, Cary, Presbyterian Pacific Southwest. We're in Arizona in a city on I-40 named Kingman. I-40 splits the city. Uh, that's it. Okay. Small. Route 66? Yep. Yeah. Small, small city. Yeah. Sound right. Yeah. 28,000. Yeah. yeah. My, my daughter and her husband lived there for a little while. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, Bob Simbridge, uh, Deerfield Presbyterian, uh, Presbyterian of the East, uh, South Jersey, very rural. Used to be one horse town. The horse died. Uh, <laughs> no, no traffic lights. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're in the middle of nowhere, but uh, we have about uh, 90 to 100 people uh, regularly involved. We did lose four people to COVID, oh, and that was that was uh, difficult. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but as I said earlier, I think we're we're feeling like we've actually grown and expanded with new capabilities and new outreach. So to us, it's net. Well, it's obviously a positive and a negative. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, Chuck Lamford, Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. We're Central South, and I'm here with Helen and Dave. Okay. And uh, we're rural, I guess, but uh, fairly sparsely populated in a kind of retirement environment with nine golf courses and 12 lanes, and, uh, 27 <laughs> churches, 30 <laughs> restaurants. You got the stats. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of a hybrid, it's kind of a hybrid situation. It's America's largest cable shop. Okay. All right. Uh, Bill Crawford, two churches, um, one in a small college town, the other in a um, small oil patch city which is interesting right now because it's dead. Um, but anyway, uh, been in one of them for 20 years and the other for two. Okay. Gulf South. Gulf South. Gulf South. Gulf South. Jeremy McNeil, teaching elder at Presbyterian Midwest. Uh, we are in Bucyrus, Ohio, which is a hybrid. Uh, we're the county seat. We're a small town. And as soon as you leave our small town, there are cornfields for a long time. Um, so you kind of drive through cornfields and pop up into Bucyrus and then you keep going into cornfields. Um, so, yep, small town rule combo. Good. Uh, Walter Smith, Atlantic, Dunn, North Carolina, 10,000 people. We wonder where our horse went. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you my bill. Uh, but anyway, um, it's uh, 10,000 and we're, we're right outside the city limits. Okay. All right. 
folks is okay if he answered for you? All right, good. Well, I'd like to get our names up. Oh, sure. Helen and Dave. No. All right. Dave Wartman and Helen Stivitz. Let's because they're oh, really good. Good. We're just elders. Yeah, nice name for clarifying. We're, we're friendly. <laughs> Suburban. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have about 80 to 90 people on a Sunday, depending upon whether it's snowbird season or not. Oh, okay. um, and God has, God has blessed us through this whole thing, and we haven't even had one person be sick from COVID. Oh, well, that's great. Good. Our Presbyterian Central South. It's probably a mix between hybrid and suburban, um, just because. It's turning more suburban, but there's still a lot of farming background uh, still in the, the area. Okay. All right. Some connection. To so it. definitely a transitional kind of thing for you. Okay. Good. Tracy Edwards, teaching elder at uh, Valleybrook in Hickson, Tennessee, which is just 15 miles north of Chattanooga. Uh, very suburban, or a little church surrounded by a lot of big churches. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's southeast, right? Yes, I'm yeah. Mike Adams. I am a ruling elder with uh, not all of it, BC in Trenton, Ohio, between Cincinnati and Dayton, uh, in the Midwest part of this area, right. for the Royce Church. Yeah. And uh, we're probably like a smaller city, 10, 10 11,000 folks, and, but we do have rural near us. So. Okay. Yeah. A little good. Bit good. Excellent. Back in the back. My name is Fred Bright. I'm from uh, about 20 miles east of Pittsburgh in the Presbyterian Galleries. And this is we're in a rural church. It's pretty small. And uh, this the January of 2020, we decided to go to two services. <laughs> yeah, before I did. <laughs> I love the lot. We decided to keep up two services. Okay. And uh, the first service was now, at this point, the first service is actually bigger than the second service. Mm -hmm. Probably because it's summertime. You know. mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it was, it's, been, uh, it's been a struggle, but we have in there. Great, thank you. John Richards, Covenant Presbyterian, Presbyteria, Central South. I'm in Columbus, Mississippi, which is small town, 28,000 people, slash military town, and college town. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, good. Betty Sweet, Stockton Presbyterian, up south. I'm a ruling elder. Uh, very rural timber land. Um, okay. All right. Kathy Everhart, uh, Mid Atlantic Presbyterian. Small town, but growing. Uh, we're about 30 minutes from uh, UNC Chapel Hill, mm. UNC. Uh, oh, you have my sympathy. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but small, small, really growing town. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, Tom and Kathy Clamor. 
Secretary of the Mid-Atlantic. We're in a um, we're in an urban, suburban, rural church. Wow, <laughs> that, would, that would be a hybrid. We are so <laughs> is rural, at least, for the most part. Uh, Grace Chapel, where I serve, is a sub, we're in the suburbs of Detroit, so we're a suburban church, um, and have um, about 100 people or so that are attending. Um, so it's interesting that, that the bulk of the EPC churches that are ordinary, I'm, and I'm, okay, so I'm going to a little commercial here, right? Go for it. What, what I've been trying to do in the, these leadership uh, sessions over the last several years for small churches, and, and this is my mentor, so I'm, I'm not trying to step all over him because he has done an awesome job, and it's a wonderful thing to work with that. But we're trying, we're trying to change our mindset from small because of how that sounds and the images that that puts in our minds and the way it shapes the way we think about church to normal for ordinary. The word ordinary is a pejorative word. Nobody likes to be ordinary. Unfortunately, the word ordinary means the usual and the customary. 
And that is what your churches are. 80% last statistics we know of all the churches across the world are in your category. So you are the church. You are doing the work of the ministry. You are preaching the gospel. You are reaching people. You are walking alongside them in their life journeys. And that's what it's all about. That's what being in that kind of a context means. So just want to encourage you with that word. All right. So you want to jump back in here and... Or do you? Uh, sure. <clears throat> what if you think we jump jump right to this follow up question? Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, we take some time in your groups again. Uh, the question is on your on your sheet here. It's, it's labeled as follow up. Uh, now, Roy, will the, the your definition of ordinary fit with this as well? The ordinary work of the ministry, mm -hmm. the, the usual, the think ordinary. You know, you know, not like uh, not like Garrison Keillor. You know, all, all the you know the women are all, you know, children are all that. But ordinary, you know, the usual and customary. What will change in your usual and customary work of the ministry because of this either interruption or disruption that you've been talking about moving forward? Now, so we've been kind of looking back. Uh, now it's time. Let's turn and look forward a bit. Reflecting on the, on what's happened, what is that saying to you? What is the Lord saying to you about your work of the ministry? That interesting. Will you need any more extraordinary effort in doing that ordinary work in this setting today? Okay. So there's there, your question. Is there anything you want to add? Uh, no. We're good. Okay. All right. This is really good. I'm so glad you guys are talking to each other. This is awesome. So, a little bit of sharing time here. What, as the question, you, you've dealt with the question, so what's going to change, if anything, in the ordinary work of the ministry that you're doing in your church? Anything going to change? I have to owe this to Walter over here and his, his discussions. You may want to take it from when we start out. I think I'm going to be But he brought up the point, and, and we were talking about we're in a, in a closed environment. Many of you are in rural areas where you can draw a circle around your congregation and say, this guy's the furthest one away. He's seven miles. This guy's not going to but we're not looking at the unchurched population that we have in our little area. And Walter was talking about things to get the new people that come into our area. I don't know if you guys have transition in, in, in your small areas, but we do. Our people die. You know, I mean, we're old. And, and so they get replaced. <laughs> it's everybody. But I mean, the idea that we're not doing things. I, I told him about an example uh, 40 years ago, planning a new church in, in uh, Maryland. And we did not want to cannibalize anybody else's church. We wanted to look at the people that were on church. We didn't want to call them phones for you. We started calling people, 20,000 phone calls were made. Not, that's when people had real phones and not cell phones. And so we made 20,000 phone calls. Our first service had 250 people in it. And the church ended up around 155 within a few months. But that was, that was the steady, and then it grew from there. But what I'm saying is that, that Walter just blew my mind talking about welcoming new people. 
you know, a, a brochure, uh, a, a box of fruits, you know, a box of fruits, uh, a Bible. I'm, I'm into Gideon's right now. And you know, putting a little Gideon's Bible with your welcome board thing, telling them how, how we're happy they're in the neighborhood, uh, some way to raise the visual sense of your church. Yeah. You know, because you guys, some of you guys have mega churches right next to you. You drive by and they see this, you know, complex like we're in right now. There's your mega church. But some of us just have the little church in the Wildwood. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to say one thing, though, that maybe you, it's hard to believe that people don't miss anything, but that's okay. Uh, there's a restaurant just outside the what we call the front gate of our village. You know, it's called the Home Play. And they have one of these big screens. And for like, what is it, $200 a year? You can put your ad on there, and it just keeps rotating it and rotating. And people will go and eat. There's our church. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a new church. I haven't seen that one. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind Great of, idea. The, the, the restaurant is very Christian-based, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean. But you know, we are we are tasked with Matthew 28. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, we gotta, we got to realize that it's not just nurturing the existing population that you have in your church that's been disrupted and interrupted, but we still have a larger picture. Mm -hmm. you got to do something out of the ordinary. Yeah. And I was sharing this, we had an elder that joined our church and you know, moved away. Um, he came up with this idea and I thought to myself, you know, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> I mean, I really, I would have a lot of respect for him. I really do. He, anyway, he would buy, he would buy little box fans. Walmart, Roses, whatever. He'd go around the neighborhood and get a box from his way. During the summer, summer. Oh. he'd give a little, you know, brochure, Grove to Church, and it's it's not the box thing. You just need to, to do something, and we probably need to do a better job in um, in outreach. Yeah. So I'm going to make a connection real quick here. Last night in the World Outreach thing, one of the couples were talking about what happens when um, they. They stop saying hi, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm trying to remember the context for that. That was yeah, yeah. So people just stop saying hi. You know, in other cultures, people say hi. I mean, oh, it was yeah, urban, it was uh, urbanization. urbanization. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, people. We don't say hi. We we don't do those kinds of things. So. But, but you know that we talk about disruption within church. But disruption in our society, where people now are working more remotely and not always liking it, and there's a hunger for interpersonal, real close personal interaction, we noticed that. So one of the things we started to do was we reached out to people we knew who were not associated with a church. Uh, and so we said, well, why don't we get together and, and we... We uh, had a TV and we put on uh, one of the sermons from a, a pastor that we happen to like from Richmond, Virginia. And, and we would do a, like a Bible study and we'd potluck and all that. But uh, it, we've only been doing this like a couple of months. But, but you can see they're, they're eager to come back. They're inviting friends mm. to join us. Pretty soon I'll need a bigger table. But we're up to 11. But it, I think it's this need for interpersonal that's been highlighted by the disruption in our society. Right. So maybe that's our opportunity. Yeah, and where do you have that? Uh, where do you locate that? Oh, we're in New Jersey. No, no. In this barn. In the barn. We have, yeah, we, we have this old barn 
that, uh, as an aside, a friend who's an Italian uh, makes his own wine. We have In New Jersey. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it's very good wine. He has ten, ten barrels. He has, he has five hundred gallons of wine. And by the way, we serve wine at this. That's awesome. That's how you do it. That's awesome. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah. I mean, on that same vein, I mean, I, I, we've been just trying to think about, okay, what does it mean to be small? Maybe for a while. Um, I know we're all trying to grow out of it, but I think micro is the future. And um, and so, and, uh, after one of the stimulus checks, I went and bought a $700 smoker, and um, we, we renovated my carport into a um, uh, an outdoor patio. And, uh, I just smoke food and invite people over and we read books, we do Calvin, um, the potluck now is uh, dinner with Calvin, I cook the, the main course and I teach. Um, with your neighbors? You have neighbors coming? We invite neighbors, we invite the church, the main group is uh, anywhere from 10 to 12 guys, uh, usually most of them under 50. Now, is Calvin you're talking about? John Calvin. <laughs> uh, not the comic strip. Not the comic strip. You know, the, the reality for me and the big shift is, as a teaching elder for 20 years in, is, um, you know, I like to preach and I like to teach a large group. But what's coming is a world that wants your personal attention. Mm -hmm. Good. Isn't that what we heard last night? Yeah. Absolutely. All those, they were dealing with people on, on a face-to-face, -face, personal level, exchanging and activities and playing sports together. Yep. That's how we grow. Man is a community animal. We, I want to say a herd animal. That's right. too easy, easy to move. Yeah. So I think this, again, one of the disruptions, uh, We how many studies that I've seen and, and reports that I've seen of people just being burned out completely of all generations on Zoom, having to do all these meetings mm -hmm. through technology. And this very thing you're talking about is rising to the surface. We are relational creatures. Mm -hmm. That's the way God created us. You can't deny that. We're hungry for that. Right. So uh, I know you raised your hand. Let me just make one. How many of you read ever read the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key? We just did that in our discipleship group. Okay, highly recommended to you in light of this because she talks about hospitality as the means to reaching people for Jesus in this kind of a way. So, gospel comes with a house key. Great book. This one too. And the street across the street around the world. Yep, another good one. We're, we're a small church, and I, I, I'm so appreciative of all the big churches that can send people. <laughs> across the seas, but our mission is in our area. We have a very poor economic. We're not racially intertwined, but we're very poor economic. And we started probably eight years ago. We started close closet. Take as much as you want. We started Tuesday meals. I started out with one family, mom, dad, and kids, and we went up to 140 people. And uh, I mean, it's a lot of food, but they're there not necessarily for the food. They're there for the Companions, they can come in and I can say, how is your daughter doing? I know she's been sick. Or they just want to come or somebody knows their name and somebody cares about them. And somebody, I mean, we had to stop because of health orders. But uh, they gave back to us as much as we gave to them. And, and that's where we got there with the food. I mean, we went up to like 140 people. What's more than we even have in our church. 
but they're not all coming to church, but they consider we do a little sermon type thing before we eat and get some Bible study afterwards. And they may never enter our sanctuary, but they enter that church on those Tuesdays and sure. plant the seed and let God take it from there. Absolutely. That's Isn't this right. the intentional hospitality they were talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else? Real quick. Also, hey, you can, uh, I'm listening to what they're saying. And this is true. We did we did a cul-de-sac ministry when it started COVID when they shut us all the churches were shut down and like we started we just went around and met our neighbors we hadn't met them we knew them in the, in the area so we just went around and said hey we're your neighbors Probably and then they apologized for not coming to us and yeah. saying hey you know welcome to the neighborhood but and we got we started with about ten and they got fifteen about twenty and twenty and it just kind of grew in the cul-de-sac. But the cool part of it was, the learning for, for me was, these neighbors had, some of them had lived next door to each other for 10 years and never met each other. That's great. 10 years. And so they met each other in the cul-de-sac and said, oh man, you know, I've meant to come see you after the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It's on my list. We couldn't bring them up. We could not break them up. And people are really hungry for that. So why can't we bill our churches out to the public that way? Well, We're hungry for relationships. You don't have to be anymore. I mean, just whatever you do, bill it and build yourself as a small as a relational church, and they got to take care of it. Absolutely. So here's the cool thing. Uh, prior to COVID, you know, the whole there was a movement, the movement towards micro churches, house churches, and that thing. Just think about this. You guys have been doing that for a long time, and now you're on the cutting edge. So just take it to the next step. Take it outside. Don't okay? apologize for it. Don't apologize for it. Absolutely. True. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that's one thing that's been on my heart for years. That uh, uh, we can say, hey, I'm uh, part of a small church. No, you know, I am part of a small church. Yeah. You know, I. Uh, we do small. We're a small church. It's great to be part of a small church. For too long, we've just been apologetic about it. No, you know, you're a very small church. I was born and raised in Charlotte, a large church. I was in Dunn, North Carolina, 10,000 people. You couldn't pay me to go back to Charlotte. Now, when I lived there, it didn't have an interstate highway going downtown, but that's beside the point. I like a small church. That's not a detriment. That's a blessing. Amen. Absolutely. 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 Okay. Uh, go ahead. One more. Um, I was going to say two things that we've kind of been doing. One, we've been taking normal things we've always been doing in the church and just doing them somewhere else. So our our men's group that was normally met at the church on Friday mornings are now just meet in the local coffee shop on Friday mornings. Uh, our discipleship groups that once met in the church are now meeting in people's homes in neighborhoods. Um, we, so we're just kind of intentionally saying, look, we already do this, but we don't have to do it here. Why are we doing it here? And we have a men's group. There's a, <laughs> so yeah, we have, we're in old mafia city. Like we were, because we're at intersection, uh, and we have an Al Capone speakeasy in our, uh, ah. underground. Yeah. Awesome. So we awesome. crazy box on Friday mornings, uh, because this bar has great breakfast. Um, and we have, once a month, we go to the Crazy Fox and have breakfast at a bar with people coming off fourth shift, third shift, uh, coming to drink, and we're having breakfast doing a Bible study, right, in, in the bar. Um, and the other thing that our session has been committed is we're committed to being small, too. 
that's kind of an idea. So we, we have a goal that if by God's grace we reach 150 members, uh, we create a core group to plant. Mm -hmm. Because 150 is kind of the, the most we want to go. Yeah. Uh, and so that we can keep planting smaller churches in neighborhoods surrounding us. Sure. Uh, so we're hoping that God blesses us with that and we get to that point. But, Amen. Um, every, every one of your churches can do that. Yeah. They can do that. They can plant churches. Grace Chapel has planted two churches out of it. We uh, There was a time when Grace Chapel was 600. It was a plant out of ward, actually. And... Um, but in its history, over the last 20-some years that I've been there, we've planted two churches out of a church of basically 150 people. Yeah. So it can happen. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to do a quick pop-up. Yeah, quick, uh, quick, quick popcorn. Just what, we'll kick. what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Don't think long. Just what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What is, the, uh, what is a great strength of a small church? Community. Community. Personal. Personal. Relationships. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of what I expected. Conversation. So just my encouragement to you is watch out uh, because the greatest strength of a small church can also become its greatest weakness. Yes. Uh, koinonia mm -hmm. turns into koinonitis. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, you, we're, we are very friendly yes. to each other. Hospitality keeps that open door. We we um, yeah. we visited a small church. We're, we're spies from a medium-sized church, and that's the closest EPC church to us is a is a middle-sized congregation. We visited a small CRC church, and I tell you what, they had the right gifted. They I don't know if they spied it. Well, yeah, they did. They knew we were new, uh, but you know, someone just glommed right onto us and showed us around, introduced us to people. Wow, if your church has someone like that. Fantastic. Yeah. We, we felt welcome. You know, there's, uh, they said, oh, you're a minister. Well, we need some pulpit supplies. You know, anyway, so, interesting. So it's a lot closer. Anyway, um, all right, popcorn. What comes first to your mind? What is your greatest anxiety moving forward in this new environment? Burnout. Mm -hmm. Just, just, just let them. Let Resistance to change. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. Resistance, Resistance to change. change. Okay. Can I do it? Can okay. Can I do it? <laughs> yeah, this morning, sir. Yeah, this you morning, can't sir. do it anyway. It's can, can I do it? Yeah. So, so I'm encountering a bit of the Edith Bunker method of parenting from folks to folks in my congregation. <laughs> I said, let's do this, and they say. Oh, that's nice, honey. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Bunker, okay. okay. I, 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 I thought about that show for a long time. Up and out of the pews. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple more. Just what, what pops to your mind? Uh, your greatest. What, what what scares you about moving forward? What? Some people not return. Yeah. Okay. It's always sad. <coughs> Pardon me. It's sad when it's oh, so, yeah, okay. Sad. Yeah. The, the sad. Yeah. People not returning. One more? <laughs> the continuing polarization in our culture. Ah, over everything. Okay, moving forward, yeah, the yep. polarization. And that, I know that's affecting our churches. Yep. Okay, what about, uh, let's go to the other side. Uh, what excites you? What, what, what is it about the opportunity going forward that, uh, that's exciting? There's more than one way to join a meeting. <laughs> okay. I, I can join. We had the missions committee back home Tuesday night, and so we just joined by Zoom, and we're able to be there. That's great. Well, for us, it's the EPC, actually. Uh, we 
we didn't feel like we were part of a larger organization before we joined the EPC. In the EPC, we do. And in, in fact, the, the presbytery meetings have been uh, beneficial. We've become more inspired. So this connection with the EPC has been a very positive thing for us as a small church. Right. I'll ditto that. Yep. I'll ditto that. Okay, ditto. All right, so probably this side of the room. This side of the room seems to be the first responders. We're <laughs> <laughs> the, the follow-up follow crew right. over here. What excites so. We're going to have to think of new ways to do things. Uh, that, that can, that, that's both fear and exciting, right? <laughs> the opportunities yeah. are wide open. Everything is up. Mm -hmm. from, from that, everything is up. Yeah. So you've got all kinds of just phenomenal opportunities. Yep. To, to reach people, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. But something else that, that I thought about, this is real strange for our, our family because this is our home church. We haven't been back in 25 years. Huh. The, the majesty of a small church, and, and I mean a large church, is its ability to shrink. Sure. Is its ability to take large groups of people and bring them into intimacy. Huh. More than once, mm -hmm. and so the larger churches really are trying to get sure. small yeah. churches. Exactly right. So yeah. they can get Very true. Churches. Yep, that's exactly true. Very true. One more. What opportunity? Uh, we've been doing um, chalk art at the end of our driveway. Um, we're right in Phoenix. It's a walking community, and so I, I just put messages out, and then on holidays we've put a table at the end of the driveway and done an outreach to the neighborhood. So now that you can bring people in the house or at least in your yard, um, we'll be able to say, would you like to come and jo join a Discovery Bible Center? Mm -hmm. Or would you like to just, maybe the first step might be, would you like to come and, and meet people in the home? Mm -hmm. Our prayer group would meet regularly prayer mm -hmm. warriors. What, what we can start meeting, a lady of the church has stepped up and she texts everybody daily of the prayer requests. So everybody in the whole church gets those prayer requests daily. That's great. So that wouldn't have probably happened without them. We would stay in our own group and pray, but now everybody in church has the opportunity to pray every day for this. Mm -hmm. That was a good thing. Good. Okay. Excellent. So um, sh those are shining moments for us. You know, those are the the, the pieces of gold that you don't see normally that God can do in the midst of the ministry that we're doing. So what we're going to wrap up because we know we're supposed to be back at 1.30. We're going to take a few minutes here. What we need your help on is how we can strengthen the network of smaller churches in the EPC. What are some things that you think would be helpful to you to, to continue the connection that we have? This has been great discussion. I hope you all picked up some things from this. How can we strengthen this network of small churches in the EPC? All right. We want to, how would you rate the importance of being networked together? Hi. Hi? Hi? Okay. So that's where we're starting from, right? All right. Are you talking about setting up a, a real network where we have a website that we go in to and it's small church website and start resourcing good ideas and listing those things and talk to different people? Is that what you're trying to get to? That, that's a possibility. It's a possibility. We're looking for ideas that you think would be helpful to you. If that would be helpful, then we want to 
explore them. I know there are some things going. There are some things going. There is a, uh, there is a Facebook group for right. EPC Small Church. How many of you are on that EPC Small Pastors I Facebook? I want to Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that is, that's an issue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's already in existence, and there's some really good things that are shared in that. So, and uh, there are some, uh, I know, some presbytery, a few presbyteries have some active uh, networking going on. I know Mid Atlantic. I know they used to meet uh, regularly. Uh, East has some things going. Alleghenies, is there anything going for smaller church groups? Okay. But what, what, well, yeah, what I long to see is, uh, well, you, you know, what nanotechnology is, right? Yeah. Smaller is better. Getting, getting, getting things as small as possible. I long to see a group in the EPC of church nanotechnologists that really know and love the small church and uh, are skilled in working in those settings. So that's what we're, you know, can, can, they, can we develop a network that will build a group of church nanotechnologists? Uh, because I also really feel that, I see it here today, uh, peer learning, small church to small church is uh, extremely important and we just we don't do it enough we don't we don't small church is learning from each other it's uh, uh, that's that to me that's what the small church network would be all about yeah so would there, would there be interest in a, a, a reading a book together and meeting monthly to discuss it no. would you guys be interested in that Something around small church ministry or leadership in general or whatever. Oh, as a, a virtual book club. We, in fact, we even have the funds to buy the book. So that you don't have to buy. That doesn't even have to be. That doesn't even have to be stand in the way. <laughs> uh, just quick raise. How many of you would be interested in that? This is not. You don't. If you're not interested, that's fine. Could you say what it is again? Online book club. Online book club. Where yeah. we discuss the book together. We'd all read it. To commit to reading a book together. Pointed at what with what we're talking about. Exactly. Oh yeah. Not just any book. No. Specifically around small church ministry. Yeah. No. 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 Can I offer a suggestion? I think would be helpful if we had like a week-long continuing ed thing in a regional area where we just discuss you know small church issues and maybe read a book in front for that, like canoeing the mountains or something. Oh yeah. You know, one time a year, get together for a week, you know? Like a retreat, Presbyterian Yeah, yeah. I know in the PCSA, they used to do a weaker conference. Yep. Weaker. Yep. Yeah. 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 I was part of a group that did a, a pre-conference conference for our first call pastors. Were you a part of a leadership on that? Kind of, sort of. Okay. I'm watching. I'm looking at your name. They say it's still open, but I you know that with the with the stress between the denominations, yeah. it's kind of falling apart. Yeah. I always enjoyed it because it was that whole week was, yeah. it was like Wednesday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday foundation, and a lot of that stuff, a lot of healing that went on there, and a lot of this kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, I wouldn't mind a mentoring program. Mentoring. Okay. Mentoring. Yeah. Uh -huh. So then someone that's in a, a slightly bigger church than maybe what I'm in, you know, that that can encourage and bounce ideas off of. So. Yeah. Good. Very quickly, anybody, any other ideas that you would find helpful? Yeah, I've got one. Um, 
our church is kind of reimagining our financial and administrative systems, and uh, so it'd be interesting to know what other small churches do for those, okay. both in terms of uh, hardware and software, and this includes uh, administrative uh, sure. donations, etc. Okay. Yep. Is that information on the EPC Smaller Church Network? Some there's some there. Yeah, that's uh, I don't I have a feeling that hasn't been touched for a long time. years. Yeah. So like it needs to be four years. Yeah, probably four years uh, since I left. Right. All right. Thank you so much. So I want to close with this. This is a favorite uh, quote from Oswald Chambers that I used. Uh, this was what drove. Um, our first our redevelopment work when I was pastoring because we were taking a church that was a historic church that had imploded and we're trying to rebuild it and this is challenging beware of harkening back to what you once were when God wants you to be something you have never been before it's a, it's a rich challenge that he puts before us lastly how many of your churches have been in existence for over 100 years Wow. Okay. Do you realize that you have been in existence longer than any of the New Testament churches that Jesus talked to in the book of Revelation? Mm -hmm. Yes, true. Okay. So, uh, God's been doing something. Okay. The challenges are there, but so are the good things to celebrate.